Hello. How's it going? Good. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Uh, sound check one, two, three. Just so you know, I can hear you as well. <laughs> awesome. I thought you just became a very good lip reader since last week. You've been practicing. Yeah, I'm actually deaf. Anyways, <laughs> hello everyone. Welcome back to Stock Talk. Um, we have some interesting things that we're going to talk about this week. By the way, I'm Daniel Pronk, and this is Jake Ruth, and we do our weekly live stream here every Saturday at 10.30 a.m. my time, which is 12.30 p.m. Eastern Jake's time. Anyways, yeah, we have some interesting things that we're going to talk about today, and the first one is that Beyond meets, what was it, CEO or CFO? Uh, COO. COO. Beyond meets COO, what, did he bite off someone's nose in the past week and, like, got removed from the company? The legal language is that he allegedly uh, bit off a piece of someone's nose, yeah. So we can get into a little bit more of what actually happened there as well. Yeah, so I think you were the one reading the articles. So just while people are getting notified that we started the live stream, like, what happened, Jake? Yeah, uh, so as people are coming in, as you would expect, we're talking about someone biting another man's nose off. Uh, <laughs> specifically, the, the COO of Beyond Meat, so... Daniel has actually talked about the stock a lot, and I know other YouTubers talk about it. There's different opinions out there. But what happened was after a football game, uh, I believe it was Arkansas football game. Uh, yes, WTF is right. Um, there was some uh, something happened with their cars, like his Broncos front tire got rubbed or something, and there was just a very classic human clash, uh, and it seemed like there was some fight. Uh, the CEO actually got taken to jail and had to pace around an $11,000 uh, bond, I believe, is called to get out. Um, that is literally what happened. We could speculate a little bit more around that and look at the stock price and stuff and see what effect this had on the business. But for a business yeah. that's down 74% on the year, yikes. I'm going to, just while people continue coming in, I'm going to share my screen and I'm going to head over and see what happened to this stock. BYND. I use this as an example all the time as just like a company that is not fundamentally sound, at least in my own opinion. So over the past year, this stock is down almost 90% now. And in the past month, it looks like that news did cause some more downside. But I mean, that's hard to tell because the entire market's just been like crashing over the past week. Um, but yeah, I mean, the stock is down about 11% just in the past few days. But the reason that I use this stock is just like a bad example. And kind of the reason that we're even talking about this right now is because I've talked about it on my own channel and on this YouTube channel a few times is just because of how how bad the fundamentals are in my opinion like this company has a profitability score of 1.4 a gross margin of like seven percent it's losing money all over the place in the past year i mean it's lost over half a billion dollars now they did take on like i think it was over a billion dollars worth of debt recently but when the company is burning half a billion dollars a year like they're running through that cash really quickly and now we just added a new metric to our insights tab, which is the cash runway. And you can see that Beyond Me now has about 10 months left of cash. So they raised a bunch of money, but they're burning through it. And now they, they have about 10 months left. So not even a year's left worth of uh, cash. So yeah, interesting company right here. Definitely an interesting company with, uh, it sounds like some questionable management to say the least. Yeah, I think I think the big joke around this is Beyond Meat is obviously an alternative meat company, so it's very it's it's a big oxymoron that one of the executives bit off someone's nose because that is obviously not a vegetarian. So, um, 
Yeah, so okay. cool setting. I, I'd say taking the other side of this, though, I think some of the reason why people invest in Beyond Meat is I did read another article that Taco Bell was actually starting to pilot uh, and test some Beyond uh, Meat in there uh, and some of their food. So some people are saying, you know, if this is the main meat alternative company, sure, their financials look terrible now, but, you know, if they could sign contracts with these really big players, you know, there is that growth story. But with people running the company that get into fights, I can't even imagine how they handle business with each other. Uh, Daniel, I would never bite off the tip of your nose, just, just so you know. Thank you. I appreciate that. This is going to help me sleep at night. <laughs> Anyways, um, other than that, that was like just kind of, you know, like weird news that happened this week in the market. Just crazy. Um, other crazy news is the stock market is like downright freaking tanking right now. And I'm seeing a lot of tweets, people on Twitter and even like people on Facebook and like the investing groups that I'm in, even on my own YouTube channel, people are asking me like, why are you buying stocks right now? Because, you know, I, I like to just dollar cost average and buy stocks and hold them for the long term. So people are now like, you know, GDP is forecast to only grow this year at 0.2%. The Fed is lowering GDP forecasts. Like it looks like we probably will enter a recession. The chance is very high now. So people are asking me like, why am I buying stocks? Why don't I just wait this out? And why don't I just wait like, you know, three, six, nine months to a year? And uh, that kind of seems to be the general consensus now is like, just sell everything and let's just buy it all back cheaper in a year. So like, what do you think, Jake? I think it's all confusing. Um, some some people dive deeper on is like what GDP even means. I think there's very few people uh, that actually deeply understand how that's calculated. And technically, we are in a recession, right? Like two quarters of negative GDP growth. So now it's like now it depends who you ask. Uh, I actually think a great way to dive deeper on this uh, to piggyback it to you is uh, seems like uh, Regan S. Uh, let me know if I'm mispronouncing that is asking us in the chat. If you're down like 20 to 30% on some weaker or less known companies, should you take the loss and put it in a safer, stronger company while the market is down? Uh, it seems like a very good question. Daniel, I know you face this a lot. I think the answer is probably going to be it depends. But can you walk us through your mindset when you're holding a stock, it's down 20 or 30%. What do you do? I mean, in the market, okay. So in the market, you are 100% going to be down on positions from time to time. Because you got to think about this, for you to never be down on a stock ever, it would mean that you have to buy every single stock at the exact bottom every single time for the rest of your life. Never going to happen. I'm sorry to break it to everyone. Like, it's not going to happen. So you have to, I'm sorry, Jake, I just burst your bubble. I know. Um, but you have to be willing to hold stocks and have them go down, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, maybe even more percent on you. And the best thing to do, in my opinion, is when you're buying any stock, like before you even buy the stock, ask yourself, if this stock goes down 50%, how am I going to react? How am I going to handle that? And am I going to see that as an opportunity or am I going to get uncomfortable? So I almost think that the best way to invest is to ask yourself that question before you even get in the stock and think about that situation ahead of time, because chances are you're going to face that um, multiple times in your life. I mean, Berkshire Hathaway, like Charlie Munger was saying throughout Berkshire Hathaway's lifetime, there's been, I think, three times where the stock has been down 50%. And he's just like, it's a non-factor, doesn't care. So I think having that conviction before you get into every stock and like asking yourself these questions is incredibly important. Now, let's say that, you know, we've all been there. We've all owned subpar companies. Okay. Like, you know, we like to speculate a little bit happens. <laughs> And now it's down 20% on you. Like, what do you do? Um, for me, I ask 
is my initial investment thesis still intact? Like, is this business okay? And I just try to look at the underlying business and like remove my thought process from what the stock price is doing. Like, I always just look at the business. Like, what is the business doing? Is it okay? Is my investment thesis still intact? If so, then I just, you know, I, I try to make my decision off the business, not off what the stock is doing. So, yeah. Yeah. That, I think that's worded really well. And to add some of my thoughts here as well, shadowing what you said, uh, the right way to go into this was just what we learned, uh, you know, ask yourself first, what would I do when the stock goes down? Because you're not going to time the bottom. It's nearly impossible. Uh, but playing the scenario that we all end up in, like, okay, it's down. What do I do? Like you said, uh, there's nothing wrong with taking a loss. Um, so sometimes you might actually realize and have it be exposed to you that because it went down, you might not fully understand the company. Maybe you take a look back and the financials weren't really playing out how you thought. Maybe the CEO or some of the leadership changed and now you're unsure how they're going to manage the company. Those are like really good reasons to just take a loss. And depending on where you live, we are not tax professionals, but you can consult your tax advisor where you can write off some of these losses against your gains. Um, we're not going to pick that apart right now, but there is some tax strategy you could play there. Uh, but the other half of it is, you know, start a dollar cost in and buy more because if you believe that was a good business at 10 bucks and now it's eight bucks, well, you should be buying more of it if you still feel the same thing, right? Uh, I encourage everyone to look up the Peter Lynch Taco Bell story, which I think is a classic. Uh, and yeah, there's actually some stocks in the market right now that I'm starting to feel this way on, um, you know, some of the big tech oh. giants. Uh, Baba is a big one, right? Like, a lot of people started buying it high and I've seen people either sell or then double down and you know it's yeah Alibaba is a very interesting one um I agree with you though like I was buying a stock I initially started buying it at 70 earlier this year and now it's at 46 today down like 30 percent it's selling below book value now and I'm just like what is happening like it's that's, that's why I just love dollar cost averaging is because like I would have never guessed it got down this low now it's selling below book value it's like five price to earnings ratio growing at you know double digit growth rates and i'm just like what is going on so i just continue to sorry continue to dollar cost average and like it if anything i've learned that stock prices are completely unpredictable and like there's a rationality on the upside things get so expensive like we saw in 2021 like does not make sense and then there's also a rationality on the downside where things get so cheap because i think people are just selling out of like fear and emotion they're not really focused on the businesses anymore. They're focused on just the stock is going down. So I'm going to sell it, which I think is a mistake. And um, yeah, it, it, you get irrationality on both sides. And as like a fundamental investor, I love it. I think it's great. Yeah. So I guess a uh, good, good takeaway is to end this great question. Thank you again for that. So uh, obviously revalidate what your investment thesis was. Uh, definitely opinionated, but you stop and lock to check out the company's financials and how they're doing. It's honestly the best tool out there to gauge that health and then you have to decide, sell and take the loss or continue the dollar cost average in. It's going to be different for a security you buy. Okay, yeah. We have a few questions in the chat here about individual stocks. And another thing was potentially getting into GDP. Uh, Daniel, not sure if you uh, know where the wind is blowing on those two topics. Yeah. So I think we kind of went off on the GDP topic a little bit, but basically the Fed lowered their GDP forecast. People think we're going to be entering a recession. Um, and the Fed is basically saying like their chances of a recession are pretty high now. Um, this over the past couple of weeks has caused the stock market to just sell off like crazy. And I mean, we're, we're seeing, you know, Google is under a hundred dollars a share. Now Microsoft is back to like, I, I don't know specifically, but it's like under two fifty now, I think. So yeah, I picked you know. up, I picked up a share yesterday at around two forty something. Yeah. So like all of these major tech stocks and stocks all over the place now are just selling off like crazy. And, um, that's really why people think we're going to be entering that recession and GDP is going to slow down. 
And in my opinion, like I think specifically every time I think about companies that are overvalued right now, it's, I got to think about Apple, you know, that, that business is selling at, in my opinion, very high price ratios. And if GDP is going to slow down and the global economy is going to stop growing, then like, yeah, you know, maybe some corrections make sense in NVIDIA too. And, uh, yeah. So it's just interesting. It's an interesting time. Yeah. Uh, it, I'm curious what your thoughts are. If you think it's worth bringing up any of those graphs, I know we had a couple of graphs that are coming out from, uh, the fed. There was also a very interesting Excel sheet that I found from their website that to me illustrated a really good re point as to why most retail investors should not get in a fret about the GDP. I'm not saying ignore what's happening, but there's a difference between like being aware and also getting concerned and trying to really understand how the entire economy works. Cause there's very few people that can realistically do that. And I'd argue you actually don't have to as a retail investor investing for the long term in individual securities. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, Warren Buffett actually has a good quote where he says, any business that has an economist, like is paying an economist on salary, <clears throat> has one employee too many. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> He's just like thinks trying to predict the economy is a waste of time. And like, it, it, yeah. If you're planning on investing for, you know, the next 20, 30 plus years, um, then like we're going to go through cycles and you should just focus on businesses and businesses that can last through every cycle. Should I share my screen and bring up that uh, Excel? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, do it. This is my first time sharing a screen on this, so let's hope it goes well. I believe in you. Just uh, let, let me know if things uh, immediately fall apart, but uh, so far it seems like it's working. So this is incredibly interesting to me. Um, this is not meant to be readable, by the way. That's not the point of bringing this up. Uh, Daniel, are you able to see the Excel sheet that I have up right now? Yeah, but it's like really small font. Okay, let's uh, zoom to 200%. So I downloaded this from, yeah, I downloaded this from the internet, uh, from the Fed website. And basically, this is everything that goes into the gross domestic product. And I'm just going to kind of scroll through so you can see the amount of things that go into this calculation. Now, I am going to say something pretty bold here. I don't think you, me, or anyone in this chat can actually effectively explain everything in this spreadsheet. They are quantifying the, uh, you know, the worth of each industry or each quarter and tallying it up for the GDP. It takes into account imports, exports. You need to make sure that you don't double count certain things. There's rules around if you're selling like oil from like a government entity, but it goes to a private org, like how does that have an effect on GDP? So stepping like back out of this and getting towards reality here, um, I would actually say that trying to fully understand GDP might be a trap. Uh, Daniel, I'd love to get your thoughts on this because, uh, yeah, I know this is something you've been thinking about a lot, talked about on your big YouTube channel for a while. So the people would love to hear, how do you think about GDP? Is it worthless? Is it useful to us? I mean, I, I think predicting GDP is almost is almost impossible. I mean, take a look at the Fed. They were predicting GDP was going to be higher like three months ago, and now they're changing their forecast. It's like the Fed, where their job is to analyze all this data, can't even accurately predict it. So, like, it sounds bad, but in my own portfolio, I just, I almost just stay ignorant to everything going on. And I'm just like, do I think Google's going to be around in 20 years? And do I think the business is going to be producing more cash? Yes. Is it down, you know, 30 something percent from its all time highs right now, selling in nice ratios? Yeah. So I just dollar cost average it because I think that company is going to last through any cycle we see and going to, it's just going to continue growing. So yeah, I just kind of stay ignorant to everything going on a little bit. Yeah. I, I think a good way I like to visualize this for, um, for my own investing is 
the economy is like a ton of bubbles and bubbles have different sizes. And I don't mean a bubble as things are like growing and always popping, but you know, the GDP could be going down or up. But once you go into all those individual categories, not all of them will be going up and not all of them will be going down. So especially when the GDP seems to be going down, I don't think that means stay away from stocks. Maybe if you're an index investor, that will have more weight to you than like you and me. I know that we like to invest in individual securities, uh, but I would challenge people to say that there still are industries that are growing and they're there. You just have yep. to find them. And then there's stocks that are within those industries and nothing changes when the GDP is going up or down at the end of the day, when it comes to businesses and their cash flow, like Google, Amazon, Beyond Meat, whatever stock you want to pick. Sure, there are macro headwinds there for borrowing money and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, they're a business. They're either making money or they're not. And you'd be surprised that some of the best companies are actually born during times of recession. Yeah. And what's what's also interesting is I think what happens when we go through like this big bull cycle is companies get very loose with how they spend money. Like they're just like, whatever, let's just throw a crash at everything and let's just increase our expenses because we're making more money. Everything is growing. But then when we enter these recessions and we get these strong macro headwinds, like what I'm noticing, for example, is Google now wants to get more efficient. Now they're like, okay, let's stop spending all this ridiculous amount of money. Let's like focus on actually making the business more profitable now and like cutting costs that we don't need. So I think, I almost think that recessions could be good in a sense where these businesses <clears throat> kind of cut out all the fat, they get leaner, they get more profitable and they, they just cut out expenses that they don't need. And like, we are seeing that with Google and even Facebook right now or Meta. Yeah. And I love the two sides of the coin there. Cause it, you were talking about like the companies themselves. I also find that especially for investors, the types of people change where there are so many people just gambling and looking for cheap value. I know your channel got a lot of uh, people who are kind of like, Hey, like what's the next stock pick? Like, just tell me what to buy. And it's kind of like, Hey, like that's not the goal of investing. Like we're not just following each other and dogpiling into meme stocks. And I found that a lot of those people that didn't actually love investing and want to learn about it are kind of going, but the people who are here and left, which is us, everyone from the chat, like we're a little bit nerdy. Like, you know, there's actually logic underneath all this to make, you know, responsible decisions that aren't, oh, I think the stock's going to the moon because, you know, like AMC, like diamond hands, bro, like let's go. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, it's fun. Like I'll read Wall Street bets, but I, I think people are conflating gambling with things that are actual securities that have cash flows. Like this is not a game. It's, it's a lot of math and, you know, hard work and research. Yep. Yep. I would agree with that. Um, uh, I was are there a time we're probably saying the same thing, <laughs> going to the chat for stock questions. Uh, I yeah. think we're going to be on for another 15 or 20 minutes. Daniel, feel free to leave this. I think there's a handful of people in there with stocks and also thank you for whoever said I had a great book recommendation. Uh, I appreciate that. I'll try to get a list together. I don't have anything off the top of my head now, but at the end of the stream, I'll try to do another book rec for you guys. Yeah, there's a lot of good books. Um, our our stock unlock team reads a lot of books, and we we actually have like an internal document of like what our book club we call it or something like that, and we'll just like share our books and kind of lessons from them. Reading's amazing. Oh like, yeah. All right, question time. Sorry for the tangent. <laughs> Daniel, are you still invested in Canadian solar? What's your present view? So I think I actually talked about this last stream. Um, no, I am not invested anymore because. Man, how do I just summarize the tent, the rant I went on last year? I can try. Yeah. They do not. We could show this in stock and lock too. Simply put, they don't report cash flows. So yes, Daniel and myself included, we're very fundamental based investors. Uh, and our investing strategy has augmented over time. It's become increasingly troubling that that company does not 
you know, put out their cash flows. And especially with all the weird things going on with China, it's just there's more attractive stocks out there. So it's maybe not even that this is bad. It's just there's more ambiguity in this stock than other ones. And it makes it easy for you to allocate your money to things that you have more yeah. confidence. And basically earnings per share, they report net income and earnings per share is like very easily manipulated. So what I like to do is look at net income and earnings in conjunction with cash flow to see if, you know, there's major discrepancies or what's going on there. But with Canadian solar, they just don't report cash flows. So they report net income. And I'm like, I don't know if there is actual cash flow there or not because net income is so easily manipulated now. Um, so it just makes me super uncomfortable. And uh, because of that, unfortunately, I did sell the stock even though I got it below book value in 2020. Um, it's just, I've grown as an investor and it made me uncomfortable now. So yeah, and I sold it recently, by the way. Now, utilities, what do you think about Next Terra Energy NEE Fundamentals Dividend thinking of starting a position at 80? I don't know. Let's Let check it out. <laughs> let's, let's... I, I think another one after that too is a stock called RM Regional Management. So I can do a little bit of searching on that, but uh, always a good place <laughs> to start in stock and lock insights. <laughs> yeah, so first off, I always, whoa, boo. Okay, so the stock is up 1,400% over the past like 20 years. So it's growing, you know, nice and consistently. Looks like it's kind of been topping out, crashed in 2020 down to like, what's that? 40 something dollars a share, pays a 3% dividend, massive utility company. Okay, insights, what's going on here? Dividend, dividend yield right now is below or above five-year average. Dividends are increasing. Five-year dividend per share has grown at 16% compounded annually. That's really good. That's really good. Um, the stock is beating the market. Okay, profitability, operating margin, free cash flow margin. I mean, it's a utility company, but uh, margins don't look super high. Growth revenue grew by 3.9%, operating income decreasing. Operating cash flow is increasing. That's nice to see. Financial health, returns, shares increasing, debt to EBITDA, current rate. And I have, a I have a question for you about this. Yeah, what's, what's going on? And, uh, maybe, maybe this is in the heads of some of the people watching as well. One thing I always look for in a business is being able to understand its moat and understand how unique it is. I know in the newsletter, uh, shout out, we do have a newsletter for Stock and Lock now, uh, which you should be getting. Shout out to Daniel for that. But how do you compute the moat of a utility company? Because I look at this and, you know, maybe some have good financial scores, some don't. But like, what makes one utility company different than the other? Is it a stranglehold they have on different regions where the competitors can't come in and like, Outside of financials, like how would we go about actually looking to validate this as an investment thesis? Because for me, financials is one side of it, but then the other side is, will they continue to get more customers? Who are their competitors, et cetera? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, in the utility space, I don't really, I think the moat is almost just like utility companies are so regulated, right? Um, I mean, yeah, that's actually a really good question. I don't have a good answer for you right now. That's what's kept me from buying utility stocks, honestly, because every stock in my portfolio, I want to be able to explain it to like a three-year-old. And I, I could actually, maybe I could explain the utility business of how it works, but it's like when you start talking about competitors and like outside pressures, it gets confusing. But yeah, so, you know, but let, let's dig into that more. Maybe we could bring something for next stream. Yeah, for sure. Um. Uh, anyways, with this, with this company right here, what I'm noticing is the revenue, like it hasn't really grown over the past um what is this since 2008 like the past 14 years it looks like revenue is kind of cyclical but what's interesting is the operating cash flow is growing like quite nicely and that kind of tells me because when i look at this and i look at the stock price i'm like okay how has the stock gone up so much 
if revenue is basically not growing. And it's because the company's operating cash flow is growing. So if we actually take a look in a freeform tool here. I was going to say, that's probably good because it's like a dividend stock. I think like when this person asks, like there's different reasons why you could buy a stock. So maybe this isn't yeah. big capital appreciation, but if they're starting to manage cash flow as well, have a moat where competitors can't come in and pay a big dividend. This could be a really nice like drip investment for someone that's more of a dividend investor potentially. Yeah. And if you look right here, like their, their dividend over time is growing very nicely. Like it looks almost like every, it almost looks like every quarter they increase this dividend, which is kind of crazy. And if we zoom out, yeah, if you bought this stock back in like 2002, your dividend yield on cost now is 32%. So for a dividend company, I mean, it looks really strong. Um, yeah, if we go to <clears throat> if we go to the stock price, I imagine this stock follows operating cash flow. So if we go to the stock price and operating cash flow in the same chart, yeah, you can kind of see that as the operating cash flow increases, so does um, the stock price. The stock price seems like it follows operating cash flow, which would then ask me, or my yep. brain naturally goes, <laughs> price to operating cash flow and what's that doing and we can Ooh. see that the price to operating cash flow has grown at a compounded annual growth rate of 9.4 percent it's now sitting at about 18 and it's really high so this company what it looks like to me is a lot of its returns have actually come from the price ratios expanding in conjunction with fundamental growth i mean dividends are growing operating cash flow is growing but for basically for this business to continue producing the same returns that it has over the past 14 years, the price ratio would have to continue expanding at 10% a year. And whenever I see this, I ask myself, like, do I think that's realistic? Do I think the price ratio is going to continue expanding at 10% a year? Um, personally, I would say no, because this simply just cannot continue forever. If it did, yeah. I mean, this stock would be selling for a 40 price to operating cash flow within like the next 15, 20 years which is just not going to happen in my opinion. Yeah. And so, the, their revenue like was capped, right? So like that does put a cap on their operating cash flow. Also, like it is going up, but it will hit a ceiling because you can't keep growing it if the revenue is not growing. Yeah, exactly. Like it can all, yeah. I mean, if you take a look at the operating cash flow margin, it would mean that the operating cash flow margin is increasing over time. Yeah. It's now at 50%. That can only get to a hundred percent. I mean, in a perfect world, right? <laughs> <laughs> Matt, you, you can't argue with math at the end of the day. <laughs> uh, How efficient can this business get at the end of the day? That would be a question I would ask myself because a lot of the profits are coming from improving the margin, not improving the revenue. So I don't know. But personally, this would make me uncomfortable. This would be a stock that I would not be super comfortable with. Like, for example, not, 20... not, not investment, not investment advice. Yeah, that's just me. I'm not a, I'm not an investment <laughs> advisor. But it, for example, if we go and take a look at Google's price to operating cash flow over the past decade, it's essentially not grown. Like you can see, it, it's literally not grown. Um, in 2012, it was trading at a price to operating cash flow of 14. Today, it's trading at 13.7. So, in terms of operating cash flow, Google's actually cheaper today than it was a decade ago. So, Google's returns, what that means, um, is not coming from the price ratios expanding, which is just the market valuing the stock higher for, um, you know, just because it wants to. So, in my opinion, I think that Google, yeah. I don't know. I just think that Google's a better, sure. a better stock in my opinion. <laughs> that, uh, that, that makes sense. And, uh, let me know if you had any other thoughts there, but to, to move us along to maybe get through another one or two stocks, I'm seeing a lot of suggestions in the chat. We will get to as many as we can. We're going to be on for about another 10 minutes. The stock RM is something I think that we should screen share and look at. And the reason why is I loaded it. And the first thing I saw is free cash flow, flow yield of 72%. And I've never seen, or that's not true. I rarely see that, um, I think it's worth taking a deeper look. This was a question asked by, um, 
I'm going to mispronounce his name. I'm so sorry. El Curie Storico. Okay, we're taking I, 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 I try and. RM, first thing I want to do is know what this business does. It's a financial services company. Okay, here's the thing. If a company is in the financials industry, then cash flow is probably going to be very volatile. And I don't really um, look at cash flows as my main metric. So let's actually take a look. This might be wrong. Yeah. Just yeah. Oh, no, it looks pretty consistent. Sorry, what were you saying, Dick? It's a good cl classic video chat. Uh, sorry about that. I was just saying I was reading the about tab to like learn a little bit more about this business uh you know they employ almost 1700 people they ipo'd in 2012 um yeah yes. i know that on our live stream we do a lot of just looking at the financials and that's important but there's a lot more to make an investment than just looking at this i'd say some things that we don't dive into as much as what is this company what is their moat and like what are their future contracts and stuff going to be so make sure that you're also looking into that this is not investment yeah for sure um it looks like this business is going sorry growing quite well Margins are nice. It's very profitable. Dividends are growing. Um, the, okay, so this one is in the financial services industry. And in my opinion, the financial... Oh, it's also a small cap. Um, so in my opinion, the financial services industry and like, you know, banks, insurance companies, everything like that are getting hit in the market right now because everyone thinks we're heading into this recession. The Fed is saying GDP growth is going to be slower. So across the entire financials industry, I'm noticing people are just selling it. Um, and with this being a small cap, like I, I've said on my main channel that I'm buying small caps recently. And a lot of questions I've got, which are very fair is like, how are you confident that small caps can withstand a recession? So I think people are, in addition to selling off financials right now, I think people are also less comfortable buying small cap stocks right now. So I think this could be like a double whammy. That's just me speculating. But, um, I mean, in terms of this company's growth, like it's growing right, sorry, quite well. Let's take a look at price to earnings. Yeah. And for the person that asked to this, I mean, if you know a lot about financial services industry and you have a strong belief that this company is going to beat out their competitors and keep getting business, I mean, this this could be a diamond in the rough for sure. Um, you know, if they have cash flows that are positive, they can withstand a recession. Uh, so, yeah, I would, if you're looking at the stock, I would try and figure out what happened right here in 2020 to 2022 because the net income went up by like, 300%. So I would want to know when I see a spike like this, I'm like, is this maintainable? Can this be replicated in the future? Was this like a one-time thing? Because you can kind of see right here, like if we just take out 2022, I mean, the the net income was growing, but it was very volatile and it didn't grow that much. It grew at a compounded rate of 5% a year, which isn't like amazing. And then out of nowhere, it was just like, okay, what happened? So I would try and figure out what happened and then figure out and ask, is this going to be sustainable in the future or not? Or is the net income going to continue coming down? Because now it looks like it is coming back down. Yeah. So yeah, that, yeah, I was going to ask to look at quarter, I quarterly too. Sometimes like the quarterly can show you dips instead of the TTM. Uh, we have a lot yeah. of people asking. Sorry, Daniel. Um, I was just going to say at face value though, that company does look quite interesting. Like it's growing recently. It's growing really quickly. It looks like it's selling for nice ratios now, but those are questions that I would ask. We are getting a lot of people asking about IIPR. I think we might have done that one before. Uh, also a new one I haven't seen, KLAC, uh, from someone's name who also starts with a K, uh, Katron. Your, your pick, Daniel. Okay, so the IIPR one, this is another stock that we talked about on last live stream, I think. Um, very quickly, this company is in the cannabis industry. Basically what they do is they, they provide real estate to cannabis companies, but a lot of cannabis companies are unprofitable right now, which means that basically their tenants are unprofitable, cannot survive forever, and makes the stock very high risk. So that's that's kind of why the stock is selling off so much. Um, 
what what do we think about TME? That's a new one. Let's go and take a look. Okay, TME, Tencent Music Entertainment. Okay, so this is a Chinese stock, I imagine, because it's probably owned by Tencent or affiliated with Tencent, I would imagine. Down 85% on the year. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just a wow. Um, that's a big, big spike too. Wow. Yeah, so... It looks like this company is decently profitable. It looks like it's got decent financial health. Um, current ratio, shares are going down, so it's buying back shares. But revenue is decreasing. Gross profits are decreasing. Operating income is decreasing. Net income is decreasing. Book value is decreasing, but cash flows are increasing. Very interesting. I wonder if this is getting affected by any of like the China scares. Like I know that there's just been a lot of drama, you know, yeah. securities listings and like the U.S. and Chinese government. So this yeah, might be getting swept up in some of that sentiment yeah for sure i mean you cash flows so cash flows have actually been like leveled off since 2019 revenue is declining i mean i don't love to see that <clears throat> i don't love to see a business that's going down it's still trading at like a 20 pe also a, a lot of the things i ask myself here is when you look at trading ratios you're buying it because you think that underlying metric is going to increase over time so ideally you're buying stocks they're growing their cash flows revenue whatever it is so if you buy it at like a you know, 20 PE today, but then the earnings double over the next two years, it's actually backtracked as a 10 P that you bought it at relative to what it will be trading at. But since we're not seeing any growth here, one concern I have is if they're not able to keep growing, I don't see the market rewarding this stock with higher ratios since those ratios will, you know, be coming down from increased metrics in the future. Uh, so this is becoming more of like a stagnant business. That's something to watch out for. I don't know how hard it is for new entrants like Spotify or other music players to kind of just make these apps. Uh, so that's something I'd look into more, like how defensible are their products? Like maybe they were great at first, but now maybe startups are coming in and biting at their ankles. Uh, that's a really good thing to dive into if you were going to invest in this one. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm noticing the price to free cash flow here is eight, which, or sorry, about nine, which does look quite cheap in terms of cash flow. But as you just said, Jake, like if the revenue is going down, if this business is declining and stuff like that, um, I try to like my my own personal investing cells i try to i try to invest in what i believe are like the best businesses like the highest quality businesses and if i'm seeing revenue decline and stuff like that then i would ask myself like is this is this a super high quality business and um i don't know so that's yeah. definitely something i would i would take a look into there yeah i think i have a good note to end on with that one i do want to highlight someone's comment uh again sorry on the name pronunciations uh Shobha uh, did comment, but it's growing its music business. Uh, I'll just take that at face value and assume it's correct. Uh, don't take everything. I, like sometimes when we talk about financials, we do the overall revenue, but that is a really good point. Like companies have multiple revenue streams. So for someone that's taking a deep dive in this business, maybe there's a smaller revenue stream that they had that has been growing very fast, but other traditional ones that they had were going down. So if you really looked under the hood, you can make an argument and say, well, they're kind of flat because the company's been investing in a new revenue stream. So these things do get a little bit in the seeds, and that's why you know some people can find value and others don't. Be curious what you guys find if you want to bring that to next week's live stream in the chat. So Jake, what are what are some stocks that you're buying right now? Ooh, Markets. Uh, I mean, you like the dollar cost average, and I know that you've started buying stocks. You've taken some time away from coding stock unlock, and I know you're you're starting to buy some stocks again. <laughs> I mean, let's also be realistic. When we started building Stock and Lock, my salary went to zero dollars for about half a year. So that also, <laughs> it, uh, and also lent the hands to it. But um, yeah, I, I do feel comfortable talking about uh, some of my holdings. So one stock I'm buying, and I know this is crappy to talk about because I won't drop the name, is a super, super small cap company. It's about 17 mil. And 
that is what I've been buying into. I'll have to debate more if I feel comfortable talking about that since the volumes are so low. Uh, there are like real security concerns where my last, like I'm a long-term holder of that stock. Uh, but anyway, going, the reason why I'm saying that is there are some small caps I like. But the larger stocks that I really like, I did start buying Microsoft at $2.14 back right before uh, the pandemic hit. I then did not touch Microsoft at all because it flew up to like 300 something dollars. I think the price to free cash flow on that business went close to like 35 or 40. I, I have to double check that, but I did start nibbling on shares of Microsoft as it's dipping down around 240. Uh, I also started a position in Google finally. I just always thought it was too expensive, but I bought a couple shares of Google this week. Again, not investment advice, but like you said, I was looking at that price to operating cash flow. I'm also an engineer and I see all the products they're building and uh, I'm very confident that business is going to be around. And while I don't think I'll see the share appreciation that has been seen since the last decade or two on them, I do feel very comfortable holding that in my portfolio as a stronger stock. And this is a, the last stock I've been nibbling at uh, is really controversial. Um, my opinion on Alibaba is that they are here to say, I do think that they're diversifying out of China. And as a cloud service provider, I see that business growing very well. I do think that they're facing a lot of headwinds today. I personally started buying those shares at $2. 200, $2, I wish, $240. So I, I'm really putting my money where my mouth is there. That's a more smaller to medium position for me. I don't like stocks to get to more than five or 10%, but I am nibbling on those shares. I mean, they're just, just from a fundamentals perspective, they're very cheap. Uh, there is risk there though associated with China. So that's very unique to my investing mindset. I'm also young and can take some more risk. I would not advise anyone to just go out and start buying any stocks. One, I'm not allowed to, that's illegal, but two, you know, just because I'm buying something or Daniel is, it would be a really stupid decision for anyone in this chat to just go buy something because we are. Maybe you could make a reverse Jake and Daniel ETF and we could laugh about it in a year or two. Um, but yeah, I can't stress I mean, that enough. Thank you for that question, Daniel. I mean, yeah, of course. I mean, if you, if we made a reverse Daniel ETF in 2021, you'd probably be up quite a bit this year. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I do know that we were trying to bring this up to a wrap around uh, 115. Uh, I am going to end this with a book recommendation. I'm forgetting the name, but uh, thank you for giving me feedback that the book recommendation last week was great. That book recommendation was The Trillion Dollar Triage. Uh, highly recommended. Uh, Daniel, I'm not sure if you have any closing comments. Um, while you were talking, I was just taking a look at ANET because Marco here was uh, asking us about ANET. One more, one more, one more. Okay, fine. Just because I love stocks so much. <laughs> by the way, by, by the way, like this is like this is what I do on my free time. Is I genuinely just love looking at stocks. I don't even know why, but whatever. Anyways, Anet, it's up big over the past uh, eight years. Looks like it's up something like what is that? Like seven hundred percent in the communications industry. Uh, Thirty-three point five billion dollar market cap. So you know, a pretty large company. Immediately. I noticed the insight score is a 4.3 out of 5, which is not common, okay? That's pretty good. So I went over to the insights. This company looks like it's very profitable. It, like margins are just great all around. It's growing. Revenue is growing 33%. Gross profits, operating income, net income are all growing with revenue. That's great to see. One thing, though, is that the cash flows are decreasing, even the operating cash flow, which I don't love to see, but uh, I would look into this. If you're looking into ANET, I would really try to understand why is the operating cash flow not increasing with the revenue and all the other metrics on the income statement. So why is the cash flow statement not growing with the income statement? Um, Debt-free, amazing. Love that. Very strong balance sheet, like very strong balance sheet. And it's buying back shares. Um, I could return... be good for the recession, the debt-free thing. 
Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, ROIC, ROCE is very good. Management looks like they know what they're doing. So all in all, like immediately that there is that one question with the cash flow statement, but I mean, the fundamentals look pretty dang good. So then the question becomes, what is the price of this? <laughs> the, the favorite question. Uh... Yeah. You always got to look at price. So there you go. Okay. This, uh, price to free cash flow right there of 46. That's, that's pretty big price to earnings of 33. So this stock is more on the expensive end, in my opinion. Um, especially if operating cash flow is not growing recently. So yeah, operating cash flow has kind of been topping out for the past couple of years while revenue has been growing. Take a look quick. Mm. So you can see, yeah, you can see very clearly like revenue is continuing up. Operating cash flow is going down. So I would try to figure out why that is what's going on here. And, um, yeah, that that would basically just be my opinion, but it does look very fundamentally sound. Looks like it's kind of expensive, and I would answer that question with what's going on in the cash flow statement. Because, you know, of course, if this company is able to keep on growing their metrics, this price might be justified, right? If they keep doubling. <laughs> but like you said, it looks like it's topping off operating. So, yeah, thank yeah. you for all these stock questions. You know, I wish that we could really get to all of them. Uh, and we could and would be here all day. But, um, yeah, I think, Daniel, you got a brunch to go to, right? I can be late. It's fine. Uh, yes, we love for people to use Stock Unlock. I mean, we're we're huge stock nerds. I'm also a coding nerd. I love software. And we love nothing more than to see other people get value out of Stock Unlock and use it. Uh, we always appreciate you sending us an email or something so we can even echo and share your video on our side to help it even get more exposure. And of course, this helps us grow too. There's no hidden data here. So we really do love that. Um, yeah. So we could end this with a quick book, book recommendation. Did you get a book recommendation? By the way, Megs, like, Again, I'll just double double click on that. Like, if you want to share stock unlock on your own channel, that would be incredible. We would really appreciate it. And uh, we, I just really hope you're getting value, like out out of the platform. We literally work on this every single day. We don't really know what weekends are. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's just it's just a it's like a dream come true to build this. Honestly, it's like a dream come true. And you guys being here is just incredible. It's like literally allowing us to chase dreams and just provide value. So I love it. Oh, Sorry, plus, plus one. And then uh, that, that, that was great. Um, and yeah, we're, you know, we're obviously trying to grow. Uh, you know, we are not the size of a TD or Bloomberg yet. Uh, so any sharing with your friends, family, coworkers, just dropping our link around, like you, you do not understand how much it helps us. Uh, and yeah, for the, I guess we're going to start doing book recommendations at the end of streams, uh, super quickly. Uh, the last book I recommended was i'll just actually show it to trillion dollar triage someone in the chat says they're really liking it uh this book is ridiculously good i highly highly recommend checking it out it basically talks through uh how the fed managed uh money supply relationships with the president also going back into history of different people who are running the fed jumping to this week's book recommendation is one that i think is a little more popular so you may have already read it but it needs to be highlighted ray dalio is a hedge fund uh uh, rather started Bridgewater uh, Capital, one of the most famous, best performing hedge funds of all time. Uh, and he wrote this book called The Changing World Order. This book is making a buzz. I don't want to give away everything, but if you want to gain a deep understanding historically on how nations tend to rise or fall, the different phases uh, an empire or nation goes through everywhere from like uh, war and fighting to creating laws to different types of monetary policy as you know, the government evolves and different generations uh, start evolving through that empire. Uh, it really just breaks it down, turns into science in a way that anyone can really understand. Uh, so this is definitely something I'd put on your wrist. Uh, I'll cut myself off there because it's 
one of those books I could talk about for a while. Yeah, I think yeah, that would be my rec. That you would actually listen to uh, twice because you listen to audiobooks. Yep. You, uh, I live in New York City, so I was able to get free uh, New York State Public Library card, downloaded a free ebook reader, got this audiobook for free, and listened to it at 2x speed. It was awesome. Twice. Awesome. So, yeah, add that to your reading list, I guess, if you're interested in knowing how nations rise and fall and all that. Um, but that's going to wrap up the live stream, everyone. As always, thank you so much for tuning in and being here. This is like honestly becoming one of the highlights of my week is just doing live streams because it's so fun. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so just thank you everyone so much for tuning in. And um, thank you so much for checking out Stock Unlock. And if you're not already a member, first question, or if you've not already got your 14-day free trial, first question is what are you doing? Go and get your 14-day free trial. It's a great platform. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, so thank you guys just again so much for watching. And uh, Jake, do you have any any closing remarks nah uh let's end it we'll see you all next week 12 30 est every saturday no exception <laughs> all right well, I mean, we'll, we'll see <laughs> bye everybody bye everyone <laughs>